Hey, it's Madison, the Black Eagle, and here's a highlight from today's show. Let me welcome to the Madison show uh, the Congresswoman Rashida Tlaib. Thank you so much uh, for being with us as a, I, I was going to say Congresswoman Tlaib, a former Detroiter, but you're never a former Detroiter. <laughs> you, no, you <laughs> I'm still living in Detroit and raising my two boys there. I'm always born and, and raised and, and haven't left yet. And and uh, I, I I you know as I when I ran the NACP there and lived there for how long did we live there? Gosh, uh, I got to tell you, um, you you know uh, that's what I mean. They never let you leave. You're oh, always. Oh no, that's they, very true. Even when always. when uh, various uh, uh, you know folks and my team members that come and experience Detroit for a few years. They say it never leaves them, and I say, never, well, imagine growing leave, up but there. Thank you, it, it thank you so much. much. Part of and, who you are. and thank you for representing the 13th uh, congressional district, which includes the city of Detroit and sur- the surrounding suburbs. Uh, let me, uh, and and I want to talk about. I want to get some understanding about defunding the police everybody is using that term and i'm getting three or four different interpretations uh and then this this you know they're saying well the congresswoman wants to get rid of policing um i'm that's why i wanted to have you on to explain your position yeah i think it's important to know that not everyone in our country right now feels safe. And that, like many across this country, I'm tired of seeing Band-Aid after Band-Aid put on systematic, uh, a systematic like wound in our society. And this wound is leading to the death and harm of many of, uh, many of my Black neighbors. And the way we're approaching public safety is just not working. And so we continue to see death after death in the hands of police officers with no meaningful accountability for the officers or departments or really the system that is involved. And so folks may say, you know, now, well, uh, the excuse is kind of coming out of this is an accident. These are folks, uh, you know, the officer's been arrested and charged, but we've seen this play over and over again with no justice at the end. And many people are exhausted. And so what you hear with Movement for Black Lives, many, much of which was birthed out of mothers, mothers who lost their children uh, to police brutality, police violence, and police killings, much of them want to push for investment in communities. What they see is instead of school counselors, police officers, they're being replaced. School counselors are being replaced with police officers. Mm-hmm. Nurses are being replaced with police officers. When somebody comes knocking on your eviction, it's not a social worker from the city coming in. It's a police officer putting somebody out. Uh, It's police officers addressing the homeless crisis and the poverty crisis in our country. And that system is very much set up to over-criminalize, over-incarcerate, and, you know, really punish folks that are the most vulnerable. And, And also the systematic racism that is still very much rooted in the culture of a very oppressive system, which is policing in our country. And so we cannot, I mean, that to us and many of us, that's not public safety. So it doesn't matter what terminology we use. I think everyone has to agree that it's just not working and that these are too many people, too many young 
Black folks are dying at all various ages. I'm tired of people saying, oh, that was a gun and it was Skittles, or you can't even jog through your neighborhood. You can't, I mean, everyone needs to feel safe in our country. And right now, not everyone feels safe in our country under this idea, idea that we want to pretend still exists around protect and serve and that a police is there to help and serve us. What we see over and over again uh, is that uh, very much those that uh, are just trying mm-hmm. to live freely in our country are being targeted. You know, as you were talking, Congresswoman Tlaib, I, I also wanted to add, and and I imagine you, you may or may not agree with this, but it's also becoming the the a, 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 a cash cow for a lot of communities. And what I mean by this, as we saw in Ferguson, you over-police a community, the poor end up paying fines, they end up going to court. Um, I mean, there, there are a lot of folk making a lot of money from the judges to the clerks uh, on on this whole criminal policing apparatus we have. Agree or disagree? Absolutely. And even in Detroit, you know, this is your yeah. home city, $300 million towards policing, towards the police department. Do you know how much we have for public health? No. $8 million. Wow. Eight million. We we have a, a public health pandemic we weren't ready for, right. and we're trying to handle and address it. But even with all of that, you wonder why forty percent of the deaths, the statistics I've been seeing coming out of Michigan, forty percent of the deaths of COVID have been my black neighbors. Even though the total population in Michigan of many of our black neighbors is less than fifteen percent, so folks need to think about that for one second. We are investing more and putting more money into police departments and this type of policing and criminalization. Very much these policing departments are becoming very militant. Many many of my seasoned Detroiters will tell me, well, they've always been militant, Rashida. But, you know, they're starting to uh, uh, wear kind of military-type gear Mm -hmm. to kind of approach protesters. Uh, You don't see them wearing that. Even in Detroit, I didn't see them wearing that with the white supremacists that showed up in an 80% black city. So. I think many of us are frustrated and angry, and of course, those that want to keep the status quo, those that want to increase fear-mongering, take words, twist them around, not understanding where is this coming from, that pain, and folks saying, enough, enough with the the constant pretending that more training is going to work. When Mr. Castle died in Minnesota, they invested $12 billion in training, two other, you know, big, I mean, a number of police brutalities, but from George Floyd and now to Mr. De- uh, Mr. Wright, you, yeah. you know, you see this con- constant push and then people throwing up their hands, especially black and brown communities saying enough. Even okay, many now- of our white counterparts calling my office saying, Rashida, I think you're right. We need to reimagine. We need to really think. I said, absolutely, because police can't be the answer to poverty. Police can't be the answer to all you. these ills in I our country. You. And it can be the answer to addressing the fact that, you know, they were built on very much structural racism. Okay, Look at now, the history me, of policing let, in our country. Yeah, let me just for a second. Let me make sure I understand because, and some I like to. I always, uh, my grandfather used to say, just put it simple. Put it where the it's an old country term. Put it where the goats can get it because they eat down to the root. And you getting into the root causes of what brought this this position you've taken. So because people will who are listening may say is. Is Congresswoman Tlaib, is she saying, 
like for example, if someone breaks into my, I'm, I'm, I like to tell stories. If someone breaks into my house, shouldn't I be able to call the police? Uh, oh, so ab- you're look, you're not absolutely. talking about yeah you're not yeah, talking but about absolutely but, okay. but property property should not have more value than human life. Oh, I, I, I want to reiterate that yeah. as a society we've decided that the way we handle issues is to send police and throw people in jail. Mental health, property, education, you name it, we are over-policing and over-criminalizing. It's not making us safer. Not saying you. you can't call them. It's saying, let's let's remember how George Floyd and the police got called. And and even that person called did not realize that was going to relate lead to his death. Right. And unarmed, you know, people want to stay unarmed. Let's say it. He what did it was he armed? Was he a was he a threat? Come on, Mr. Madison. Was he? He literally was suffocated and like killed while calling out for his mother. And we're going to continue to try to justify and continue even hearing the court dialogue back and forth. They're they're putting George Floyd on trial, not the system. Yeah, the defense is no offense, but it's about let me let me go to another issue. The reason I wanted to have you on uh, and that is this uh, I guess a bill help me understand this COVID nineteen recurring payments for COVID nineteen relief. What is so, the purpose of that bill? Yeah, it's called the ABC Act. We call it the Automatic Boosted Communities Act, and it provides reoccurring payments. So a lot of the survival checks and what we call the stimulus checks that you saw uh, were coming after one year or so. And what we see in other countries do is have reoccurring payments, have multiple uh, payments tied into maybe unemployment rate, tied into a loss of a job or different conditions change. I mean, we have so many of our neighbors who lost income because their loved one died of COVID. Uh, that's irreplaceable income. It's not, unemployment's not going to address that or, or a number of other resources that are provided. So we want to take care of our people, do what we do when it's corporations, you know, have a people's bailout and really create sustainable uh, help and assistance. And so offering $2,000 reoccurring payments during the pandemic and understanding even after, hopefully, after we get through a, a biggest hurdle of this pandemic, which is stopping the spread. And that has not yet happened. Uh, even in Michigan, we see the rise as mm-hmm. folks are opening up schools and we see an increase uh, of even now we're, we're running out of hospital beds is even after a year after that, offering $1,000 recurring uh, payments. This is going to make sure that our families are taken care of versus them, you know, crossing their fingers, hoping that maybe we we send another survivor check. No, we should be able to provide a sustainable approach to these survival checks versus what they've seen now. And and uh, how many uh, members of your uh, body have you got to sign on to this bill? Yeah, I believe it's over a dozen now. Many of okay. my colleagues um, are folks that work with Working Families Party and others that are supportive of the bill. Local economists, have, you know, economists uh, have come out and understood that how this is also connected to really the real economy, not Wall Street economy. Right. Um, and what I love about the bill that folks don't talk about the most is I create emergency resource corps. Right. This is emergency resource core that we built up, that we carry, that these are people that we hire and send out into the community, into the most vulnerable community, maybe our indigenous neighbors, maybe a community that lacks 
this is no means of transportation, or maybe 40% of the residents don't have active transportation, and going door to door and talking to people, making sure they have information, making sure that they have the survival check information. But these would be mental health experts, social workers, and and it will put people to work. And so we want to be bold, um, especially during this global, you know, public health crisis. Because we don't know how, to be honest, and, and the thing I, I really, because no one has talked about this core this uh, that you're talking about. You're absolutely right. But it makes sense uh, because we have get so much misinf- misinformation even on our show. There are people who think yet they're not getting the shot because they think they have to pay for it. Um, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, it's so much misinformation. And now with this uh, Johnson & Johnson there's so much misinformation. You're not going to solve the pandemic as long as the messages don't get out and everybody's not watching cable news. <laughs> and, well, and, um, and then, you know, the misinformation is, is very much tied with how how we are all getting information late. I mean, even during the election, you saw the misinformation that was yeah. coming through social oh, media. Yeah. And that's yeah. going to continue to happen. That's why I consistently tell my residents, please, Talk, you know, if when you're sick, who do you call? Do you do you call? You go to your or maybe your 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 physician. If you don't have one, where do you usually go? Call your federal these clinics. I mean, I grew up when we didn't have health insurance. We had these federally accredited clinics. They're ready to help people. Seek it out. Uh, don't depend on what you see on Facebook, please. I mean, if yeah. it's coming from a reliable source like the CDC, like your Congress member's office, may you know, sure. But you are your individual. You have your different whatever health issues that you might have is consult your health professionals like you would with any other decision. And, and again, vaccines should be absolutely free. Uh, you know, know that uh, if, if you hear of anything that seems suspicious that you should call uh, your local elected folks, my, you know, anybody's office, mm-hmm. I tell this to people, you know, don't call the police. <laughs> they can't handle it, you know. But you can call your local elected folks, and then attorney generals yeah. and others will investigate it and, yeah. and make sure that any scams are, are addressed. I, I'm going to one more question that I I, I don't know if they uh, it, it's this recent news story um, that a new bill has been introduced that would add four seats to the United States Supreme Court. Uh, I'd I'd like to get your position on whether you would would support such a bill. Yeah, prior to even getting into the United States Congress, uh, I've read enough to understand the importance of expanding the court. I mean, this this is a branch of government that you know sometimes we dismiss, sometimes we don't. We understand because they make these awful sometimes decisions that impact our lives forever. And some are bad and some are good. But one of the important things that consistently comes out. Is, is it balanced? Uh, does it have, um, you know, enough folks that can give uh, the American people confidence that decisions will be made on the best interest of the American people and, and, and especially addressing some of the ills and things that come before that Supreme Court? So I've been very much in support of the expansion. I have not gotten a chance to read that proposal uh, that is coming out of the Judiciary uh, Committee um, but it, it, I'm sure if it is led by the leadership there, that they've been very thoughtful, talk to, you know, folks in the academic areas, talk to uh, legal professionals and others. And, you know, listeners should know this is this is not new. We've expanded the court and shrank it before uh, in the past. So this has been done. Uh, and But I know 
just like we're trying to make Washington, D.C. a state, uh, trying to uh, help Puerto Rico get self-determination to lead to possibly uh, joining, you know, becoming truly uh, being able to self-govern themselves. All these things are all politicized this week. You know, we're discussing these things. And so folks are going to try to politicize this. But I hope listeners really take a deeper dive and how this actually would help our country have better, much more, I think, diverse decisions being made uh, mm-hmm. out of the Supreme Court. And again, these are decisions that continue to impact all of us, from decisions that have watered down the Civil Rights Act, decisions that impact our public health, uh, decisions that continue to impact uh, you know, women and immigrants and the most vulnerable. That's what ends up in these courts. And you know, I, I think it's really important that it is fair and it's balanced. All right. And and uh, I want to thank you for coming. And, and as we get into deep diving, that's what we do on the Madison show. Um, I hope we can call on you again. I, I, I also I know that uh, our uh, our intern, Mackenzie Galloway, who interned, I believe, in your shop. Yes, um, yes, I did. <laughs> she, she, she's, uh, did, you he, did you tell him you interviewed me before he ever interviewed me? No, <laughs> she, no, no. Yeah, she did for one of her projects, and and uh, yeah, she did a wonderful job. You you all uh, hired yeah, she, well. Yeah, yeah, she's doing a wonderful job, and she's about to graduate and get into the real world. So, oh, um, oh she's been so. in the real world. Uh, you got to talk time. to her. She's I, you know, I, I, I got to tell you, you know, John Conyers and I were very, very close. And um, I, I and when I always think about you being out of Dearborn, uh, I always oh, I, I didn't. Back. I wasn't. I don't live in Dearborn. I oh, oh, I thought, oh, oh I know sorry. a lot of people think that. No, I graduated from Southwestern High School. I'm a prospector. Oh, okay. Born and raised mistake. in Southwest Detroit. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but I always go back to representing De- uh, when we boycotted Dearborn years ago and oh and, yeah uh, yeah i've been oh, to protests uh, in dearborn where i mean dearborn police at one time killed oh. this mentally disabled uh young black man that everyone knew in the community and i stood there and, and protested and people uh, were so upset about it and i said i later found out you know people were actually welcoming because this officer had a history but you know i think what's important about today and you bringing up the late john conyers as yesterday historic thing happened we we oh, passed yes. out of Judiciary Committee yeah. HR 40, which right. is a commission to study reparations. He first introduced that After in 1989, and people saw yeah. he was radical then. Just like yeah. people are thinking, what is Rashida talking about? Reimagining police and investing in our communities. But know this, you know, this is a person that, no matter what your opinion is, he was so incredibly um, bold and courageous at that time. In 1989, he said, "Enough." You want to address the ills of our country, then let's let's look at reparations. And so I'm really proud that that yep. was birthed. That movement for reparations was birthed in the district I represent, and John Conyers' legacy continues because HR 40 did pass yesterday out of committee. Yeah, and and like you said, it's look, folks, you got to study it and and let's get it done. Um, mm-hmm. You know, thank you. I hope we can call on you again, even after our intern leaves. But we'll, <laughs> Uh, I appreciate it because we we and oh and one more question if you don't mind I'm sorry one more question uh, my okay. staff accuses me of doing the uh, Colombo deal always <laughs> one more question uh, what what's what's with 
this surge in Michigan as it relates to COVID nineteen? What, where, and where is this happening? Why is it happening? So there's a lot of components to it, but I, I know some of it is very much connected to the reopening of schools. Okay. Uh, if you look at the age group that are getting infected and is 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 younger younger age group, these are high school um, groups, and so the governor has expressed uh, as as folks are starting to get into the you know school sports, the teams gathering, things of that nature. I mean, heard stories of kids being transferred on a bus and one person had it and then everybody on the bus yeah, got it. I got you. So yeah. a lot of that's connected with that. And also, you know, people are not following guidelines and also the myth out there, y'all, you get a vaccine doesn't mean you're not going to get COVID. It just hopefully means you're not going to die from COVID right, or have right, severe right. symptoms. So yeah. I just want folks as we millions of people are getting vaccinated, please continue to wear your mask. You can you can carry that. You can give it to someone that isn't vaccinated. Um, and, and, you know, you don't know what the long term impact or effect is going to be when you do contract COVID. I continue to tell people that. So, uh, again, I, I think there's a lot of components and issues. Of course, people are saying we should do this and we should do that. I, I, I just want folks to know uh, I believe that we need to, you know, get uh, the school districts, business community, and others to continue to enforce and, and, and these guidelines from CDC and to be very, very uh, careful and intentional in how they do this. I think we're getting too lax as 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 yeah. I agree. Yeah, we're getting too we're getting yeah. too comfortable, and and of course we're all we we all want to, get to be back able to, normal, to get that so, what, how yeah. we lived before, uh, and and so I understand the frustration, yeah. but it, the surges are because people yeah are not following those guidelines. I I appreciate you being with us on the Madison Show, Thank and you. we'll and we'll stay in touch. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. Bye, Rashida. Right. Thank you. Bye, Mackenzie. Love you. All right, forty six. You can listen to yours truly, Madison, the Black Eagle, live every Monday through Friday on Sirius XM Urban View Channel 126 or anytime on the Sirius XM app.